Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. We go to Greg Amsinger. Greg, I want to start off with a question for you. Shoot. Go How about away. them Cowboys? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I thought of your face when I saw the final, like, seconds of this game. And I was like, I, I believe Randy Character and Greg Amsinger uniting, reuniting in our big red fandom. I feel like you changed the course of history for this franchise. And, and I'm very excited about the future, and we're going to do this together, Randy. You and I, we will do this together. <laughs> it's going to be spectacular. Okay, one other thing we were talking about during the break. You are sitting in that studio with an eye towards the Cardinals pretty much every night at MLB Tonight at MLB Network. You're the lead anchor there. And so you keep a close eye on the Cardinals. On a scale of 1 to 10 this season, how entertaining have the Cardinals been for you? Ooh, whoa. I, I mean, how do you define entertaining? <laughs> Fun to watch. Uh, okay, so you you don't have to watch the games, but uh, let, let's just look at it this way: you're sitting, you're you're a viewer at home, and you say, "Okay, I'm I'm all in on the Cardinals, win or lose." How much fun have they been to watch? How entertaining okay. has, has this pr- product been? So, so like what I've learned uh, being in New York City for as long as I've been, that the Yankee and Mets are actually, and this sounds weird. But they're miserable when their team is perfect. When their team wins over 100 games, there's this hint of misery that they have, and they bring up all the negative things. This is what people in New York do that love baseball. Um, I think that's odd and weird. Um, But my friends in St. Louis, who I talk to regularly, and 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 I adore them, they're wonderful, but they really love the Cardinals. They are starting, and I don't think, I don't want to say, that this is a broad stroke for everyone in St. Louis. But they're starting to morph into New York baseball fans, where I interact with them more when the Cardinals lose than when the Cardinals win. I don't hear from them when the Cardinals win, when they go to the playoffs, when they celebrate an NL Central Division title, or when they're two games away from going to the World Series unless they want tickets to the World Series. Maybe I'll hear from them then. But they love interacting about baseball when the Cardinals are a dumpster fire. And those are their words. Those are their words. So I don't know. I feel like, and I'm only answering based on my instincts regarding people I talk baseball with outside of the walls of MLB Network, but I feel like it's almost like what we learn in journalism, right? When it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. It's the top story. The Cardinals have been bleeding all over the place, and people like to talk about things that upset them. So I almost feel like, in a weird way, that this season has been even more entertaining because the millions of GMs that live in St. Louis <laughs> are actually putting their cap on and they're getting to work. They're getting to work. They're solving the Cardinals' problems every day at the water cooler. So it might be more entertaining than a normal winning Cardinal season. Good answer. I like it. <laughs> that is really good. So, it, I, and speaking of everybody being a GM, we were kind of getting fired up on this topic yesterday. Brad Thompson mentioned on the fast lane that he thinks that there's a possibility of Wilson Contreras going into the outfield next season. What do you think about that possible decision? And is there any consequences to that? Uh, look, uh, every time I see this kid Herrera hit, uh, I don't care what his batting average is. 
I, I, I could care less. There are kids that look comfortable at the plate with a bat in their hand, and he looks that way. His minor league stats have been really impressive, uh, and obviously his skills behind the plate, he's here to stay. He, he could do this. He he could be the next guy for the St. Louis Cardinals behind the plate. I think they want him to be. And I don't know why they signed Wilson Contreras. He knew this kid was a budding star in the minor leagues, but that said, Wilson Contreras has had one of his best offensive seasons of his career. And and people need to recognize that. He has been as advertised. When this whole drama of Wilson Contreras is ruining the Cardinals because he's not Yadi or Molina was taking place. And I was telling people to stop complaining about this guy. He is what he is. He's a good player. He is a great offensive player for that position. Um, he's got an OPS over 800, and he's got to be in the middle of the order. He's got to, if the Cardinals are going to play next year at the level they want to play, he's a guy that's going to be in the mix. I, I don't know if he can play left field. It seems like the Cardinals have a lot of outfielders already. Um, and and who knows who, who's going to earn a spot. I mean, Luke and Baker's an interesting talent. And if you're looking at a conventional designated hitter, as long as Goldsmith's playing first base, I, he kind of fits the 1980s mold of a Steve Balboni DH. And if you don't know who that is, go to Baseball Reference and Google it. Steve Balboni had a mustache. It was like it was world class baseball when guys like that played. Nickname Luke was Bye Bye, by the way. Great na- nickname, Bye Bye Balboni. Yeah, I mean, what happened to nicknames, by the way? Can we start coming up with more nicknames? Well, we need to improve on this. Yeah, Randy, Randy, why don't you take this like the bull by the horns here? And every day on your show, give one of the Cardinals players a new nickname and get people all into that. I'm all for nicknames. They don't see it anymore. Okay. Anyway. I, 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 I've been calling. Oh, yes. Please do. Uh, I, I've been calling Richie Palacios <laughs> Willie Mays uh, oh. to, to some disdain here in the room. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, can't, you can't nickname players. Hall of Famers, you know. He, he's got a great nickname for some of the players in the bullpen. You want to tell him about those guys? Oh, so yeah. here we go. Yeah. So when the Cardinals have a game where Drew Verhagen, Casey Lawrence, and uh, Andre Palante all pitch, that's the Holy Trinity. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Greg, and then when you add uh, Yakub Barnes, we call him Yakub Barnes because there's a blues player that is, his name is Jacob Barnes, but it should be Yakub. Verana. So then, Jacob uh, Verana. Yeah, yeah, Verana. And so we switch that around. You can add that in, and you have the four horsemen. There you go. Well, all right, scrap this idea. Don't get, give them any names. <laughs> okay. That, that was a terrible idea by me. I, I'll improve, I'll improve in my out. nickname. Don't do it anymore. Don't do it anymore, Randy. You don't like the Holy Trinity? <laughs> this, is, this is not the path I wanted to go down with the nickname. It is not. But what I'm saying is, I'll answer it this way. Wilson Contreras has got to play, and I think this kid Herrera has got to play behind the plate. So you got to figure it out from that point forward. If he's a DH, he's a DH. If he's athletic enough to play left field, put him in the outfield and trade some of these outfielders hmm. to, to go get Mike Trout. Greg, Ronald Acuna became the first player ever with 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases. Is he the leader for MVP in the NL? Is it his and, and his to lose? You know, it's funny. Uh, Matt Olson hit another home run last night. Now he officially has twice as many home runs as Freddie Freeman, who he replaced oh in Atlanta. <laughs> and... <laughs> 
He's got 134. He passed Eddie Matthews for the single-season RBI record in Braves history. A guy named Hank Aaron played for the Braves. Hmm. He's not even in the top two anymore. And Matt Olson might not be on the most valuable player award show that I host every year when we hand out the hardware and announce who wins the MVP. And you need to be one of the three finalists to get that honor and it's an honor to be on that show he might not make it he might not be one of the three do i think ronald acuna jr is the most outstanding player of baseball this year in the national league absolutely will he win the mvp he will probably win it unanimously Mm. we've never seen 40 70 we've never seen it but do you know what we have seen before we have seen the braves win the world series without ronald acuna jr yeah and I went on a soapbox uh, the other day, which I do regularly, which isn't shocking to anybody listening to this right now. <laughs> and, and I said, I, I miss the days where there was this mystery behind who was the most valuable player. Because value, to me, should be defined by how you impacted games and or season and or pennant race when games matter the most. What is the point of playing Major League Baseball? The point isn't to put up the most impressive individual statistics. The point is to win the World Series. And whoever can do that and impact their team the most, to me, is the most valuable. And there was a day and age where writers were the gatekeepers to who these players were. Now we have social media and access on many platforms to watch your favorite player at all times. You can watch your favorite player go grocery shopping somewhere on TikTok. So we're oversaturated with all this content regarding our favorite players. We don't need writers anymore to tell us the mystery and the power behind these guys and, 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 and telling me how Larry Boa turned an incredible double play in the eighth inning of a tie game and helped the Philadelphia Phillies get a two to one win because he also laid down a sacrifice bunt to get the winning run from second to third. That was the old school days when they talked about guys that helped the team win. Now, am I saying Ronald Acuna Jr. has helped the Braves win? Absolutely. Absolutely, and he's going to win the MVP. But would the Braves have won the NL East if Ronald Acuna Jr. didn't play a single game this year? The answer is yes. That's how good their team is. That's how great they are. They would have won the NL East without him. Hmm. I miss the days, like 1984, when Ryan Sandberg won the MVP and he hit 19 home runs. When Keith Hernandez finished second in 1984 and he hit 15 home runs. The guy, based on wins above replacement, that should have won the MVP that year, didn't finish in the top five in MVP voting. That was Gary Carter for the Montreal Expos. So we used to think of the MVP in a different way. We will never see a player like Ozzie Smith finish second in the Most Valuable Player Award voting ever again, which is what he did in 1987 when he didn't hit a single home run, when he finished ahead of his teammate Jack Clark, who had 35 home runs. We were next level back in the day. It was a better MVP. Now it's the most outstanding player in baseball. We don't need anybody from the BBWAA to vote on this award anymore. We know who's going to win. We know who's going to finish second. We know who's going to finish third. I can cut the middleman out. I'll just announce it myself. We all know. <laughs> we all know. So to me, I want to get back to the old school days where Ozzy Smith and Larry Boa can be top three in the MVP without hitting a single home run. Unfortunately, those days are probably over. Greg, the the Braves have eight players who have played over 130 games. They have the best record in baseball. Do you think that there's some correlation there for guys playing every day and actually winning a lot of baseball games? I think there's a correlation. 
to giving a bunch of players financial security and mm-hmm. making them feel immensely valued and not having them go on the field looking over their shoulder if they mess up. I think there's immense value in the psychology of commitment. Hey, Orlando Arcia, we know we have this kid named Vaughn Grissom who everyone thinks should be the shortstop since we didn't bring back Nancy Swanson. But all of the veterans on this team seem to love you, and you're not 35 years old. You're still in your late 20s. So we're going to commit to you. You're going to be our starting shortstop. No, no, Vaughn Grissom, we'll keep him in the minor leagues. We'll bring him up in September. Uh, he'll play around. We don't care. Vaughn Grissom could hit 351, which, by the way, he tore up minor league baseball. We might trade Vaughn Grissom, but we're going to commit to you. Matter of fact, here's a couple of your contracts. Matter of fact, go get him. Oh, you're the starting shortstop in the, in the All-Star game for the National League? Holy smokes, that's crazy how that happened. Because they committed to it. He could have an 0-for-21 slump. It's who the starting shortstop is for the Atlanta Braves. It's Orlando Arcia. These are the things the Braves have done. The psychology of commitment is an amazing thing in sports. And it, the polar opposite of that is the musical chairs of the St. Louis Cardinals outfield, and no one can get their footing, and no one can feel like they're a central figure to where the Cardinals are going. So uh, the psychology of that uh, is the Atlanta Braves, and I think they've done a remarkable job. And Alex Anthopoulos has had to make some very difficult decisions, letting Freddie Freeman go and bringing a guy in while Freddie was still a free agent and crying on national TV on during every interview about how much he loved playing for the Braves. That made Alex Anthopoulos public enemy number one in Atlanta, and it paid off because Matt Olson, who should be in the top three for NL MVP because he does the one thing that is the most valuable in all of baseball, which is score yourself. If you can score yourself, more than anybody, you should be in the top three of MVP, and he's done that 54 times. So uh, the Braves are, to me, the absolute definition of a great baseball team, top to bottom. Greg, we could do this for an hour, but I, I only have a couple of minutes, <laughs> and I want to give you the opportunity to explain, in your opinion, what you think the legacy of Adam Wainwright is here in St. Louis. Oh, man. I, I mean, just a multi-layered class act in, in every way. I got to tell you, I've done a lot of great shows in my in my career where I feel like we walked up the set and and we were part of the of the the, 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 the storytelling of, of a magical night of sports. Uh, game one sixty two in two thousand eleven really comes to mind. So many people watched that night because we could bounce around to all the different games that mattered. And, and uh, that night, Adam Wainwright went out for the last time uh, we were there from the beginning to the end on MLB tonight going back and forth and Dan Plesak pitched 18 years in the big leagues and last night was his uh, anniversary of his last performance 20 years ago at the mm-hmm. vet to get the last out at the old vet in Philadelphia he was on the uh, on the set that night it was his best broadcast he's ever had as Adam Wainwright warmed up before the second inning, now we have access to ballpark cameras in the dugout and in center field. So we're showing Adam Wainwright warming up. And Dan Plesak goes, Greg, if he gets his 200th win tonight, he's never throwing a baseball again. This is on live TV. He goes, it looks like an injured position player's warming up in between innings. Greg, I don't know what's wrong with him, but that is the, that is the look of a man who's pitching through severe pain. And I was blown away that he used to say he never goes that hard. He's not a he's not a hot take artist like some of us are. He knows pitching. He loves pitching. And he said that he is out there with smoke and mirrors. He's trying to he's trying to trick him tonight. He has nothing left in that right elbow and shoulder. There's nothing left in there. 
And to watch him grit it out the way Adam Wainwright did, he is what every Cardinal fan loves. And that is a guy who leaves it all on the field. He might have 60% of what he normally had in his career, but guess what? He's given everything he's got to the St. Louis Cardinal baseball fans. And that is what, that's what they ask for in St. Louis. He is the definition of what they want to see. Was he getting rocked every fifth day for the majority of this year? Yep. But did Cardinal fans believe he was giving everything he had? Yep, and they knew it. That is what a first-class athlete is to St. Louis fans who want to see first-class athletes. And it doesn't get better than Adam Wainwright. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, uh, Greg, we're so excited about the playoffs starting next week on Tuesday. And uh, I'm sure that we'll be texting over the course of the weekend. And uh, go Big Red. Yeah, yeah, and no more nicknames. You guys can take a pause on that. Oh, you got enough. We were liking the Holy Trinity. We were actually enjoying it. I'm next, sorry. Next Thursday, <laughs> the Cardinal season will have come to an end, but a Cardinal that will be here in 2024, we will have a spectacular lo- – it won't be like a J-Dub nickname, Jordan Walker. I'm going to have a spectacular, long-standing nickname for one of the young Cardinals for you next week. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. If we could keep it on the positive side, oh. Randy, that would be even better. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be, how could you get more positive than the Holy Trinity? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Have a great oh, weekend. Randy. Have a great weekend, brother. <laughs> yeah, guys. See ya. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on, on 101 ESPN.